It's time for some cheap talk. You're listening to Trick Chat. Hello kitties, it's so good to see you again. Welcome to episode 3 of Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. Today we have a jam-packed show, and, and no, we're not doing Heaven tonight. We will get to that, but we can't just do all of the albums because there's Cheap Trick news and info that we want to pass on, a lot of the band's rich history that we want to delve into. Today we have three really neat things that we want to let you guys in on. One is an interview with Steve Longo, the drummer for the Robin Zander Band. It's a real fun interview, and I think you guys will enjoy it. And you'll get to hear some great live tracks from the Robin Zander Band, so enjoy those. Also, BJ Cramp will be joining us as a bit of a uh, history buff with a segment that we're going to call Your All Talk. And he's going to take a look back at how Cheap Trick became Cheap Trick, focusing on the early days of Cheap Trick and the band Fuse and what that means to Cheap Trick history. We also have a fan spotlight. We interviewed Angela Mapes, who tells us about going to see the band on the 35th anniversary show and going out to see Rick's Picks. So sit back and enjoy these segments. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome the drummer for the Robin Zander Band to Cheap Talk with Trick Chat. Welcome, Steve Longo. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on our show. You, of course, share something with uh, Cheap Trick fans, a a love of Robin Zander, and you guys kind of share the same singer, so uh, do you find a lot of uh, Cheap Trick fans showing up at your, at your gigs? We do. I, I, You know, at this early stage of the game, and don't forget, we Robin and I just decided to do this thing in January, so it's really only, uh, since its inception, really only six months old, so wow. I'm still getting to know some of the Cheap Trick fans, but I will tell you that they're they're loyal fans, they're good fans, and um, I'm happy to meet them um, whenever we do a meet and greet, and I'm glad that they uh, are embracing our band. It's it's nice to have uh, it's nice to have new friends out there. Where things um, sort of cross over mm-hmm. is the fact that uh, you know obviously we we the Robin Zander Band share uh, a vocalist with Cheap Trick, which is our pleasure because I've always regarded Robin as one of the best singers out there. And in fact, when I uh, was putting the John Entwistle band together with John, uh, the bass player from The Who, uh, we discussed Robin as a lead vocalist, but he uh, his schedule and ours didn't line up. And then we discussed um, having him appear on, on uh, a record that we were doing with a bunch of guest artists, which included Billy Squire and Leslie West and some other uh, notable names, and uh, John even sent 
uh, Robinson material. We just never got to finish it. So that's, you know, best laid plans. That's amazing. That's quite a uh, gene pool of talent there. Well, yeah, I mean, he would have, you know, and I still, I still believe it to this day, he would have been the perfect singer for that band. Um, but, you know, I mean, everything happens the way, uh, you know, everything happens the way the universe wants it to happen. So that wasn't meant to be, but, but this is. So I'm very happy. I've always enjoyed uh, my musical uh, times with Robin, and now to have something a little bit more formal and something that we can sort of sink our teeth into is uh it's a it's a, it's really a lot of fun it's a great pleasure it's a great band well i've i've always kind of looked at like uh you know remember when we were in school they'd, they'd have uh you do things like what i did on my summer vacation yeah <laughs> so it's like the day job is cheap trick which is a pretty neat day job to have but then he does this with you guys so robin has an insatiable need to tour almost and to get out there and perform. Uh, how did you become a drummer? How did you uh, hook up with Robin? Well, okay, those are those are two vastly uh, different points in time, but um, I think I was born a drummer, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> in in uh, the second grade, I saw uh, the high school band come to my elementary school um, and perform live, and it was the first time that I had ever heard any kind of music in a big hall, uh, excuse me, uh, in a big hall with that kind of reverberation. And once I heard the drums, I just was struck uh, by the thought that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, um, so much so that I turned to the kid next to me and announced quite uh, confidently that that's what I was going to do. I, I had no idea what it was, and um, but I knew that it, it touched something uh, in me, and, and uh, luckily I was right because thankfully it's the only thing I've ever done. Um, in my life, uh, I've been a professional musician uh, for my entire life. As far as meeting meeting Robin, um, I actually um, I didn't meet Robin until it's funny because I had I had connections with Robin through John Entwistle in talking about trying to find a singer or at least a guest artist for one of our albums. And uh, needless to say, I knew of Robin, but I didn't actually meet him until um, he did. Uh, I, I directed and produced a documentary film on on John's life after he passed. I actually started it before he passed, and then finished it posthumously. And Robin was one of the first people to uh, sign on uh, to do an interview for that piece. It's called An Ox's Tale, mm-hmm. and uh, that's sort of how we met. And um, we did uh, a, we did a hurricane charity concert together where uh, guys from my band played with Robin and Rick at Jermaine Arena to uh, to raise money for some fans and that's really that's musically where it began. Uh, then Robin invited me to um, to perform and uh, play golf at one of his charity events for the first tee, which he's very passionate about. And uh, the rest, as they say, is you know the course of history. I'm a bit of a bass player myself. I've uh, been in many bands, and it's it's just impossible to pick that thing up, the bass guitar, and not be influenced by John Entwistle at some point. Well, it's interesting that you called it the bass guitar, because a lot of people call it the bass, and people that do call it the bass play it that way. John Entwistle called it the bass guitar, and he played it like a bass guitar. Absolutely. Uh-huh. It's its own beast. 
Yes, it is. Well, especially the way, you know, I mean, the way he did it when, you know, um, uh, uh, Pete Townsend uh, and I were talking about about John's style and where it might have come from and so on and so forth. And the thing about it is, uh, you know, to be that unique and to... Uh, to influence an instrument as as um, as much as John did, that, that's a that's an amazing gift. And uh, you know, Robin, in his own way, does the same thing for rock vocals because uh, he just he can sing just about anything. It's really his range is really incredible. It just seems anyway. It seemed at the time like a good fit. As I said, it never happened uh, for him to play in the John Entwistle band. But um, you know, here we are now in the Robin Zander band, and and. You talked about his about Robin's need to tour. I think that's something that he had very much in common with John. John and I wrote a song called "Endless Vacation," and it was really about the fact that uh, the Who didn't tour enough for John, and he really wanted to be out there. And Robin has a similar taste for performing. Um, you know, I just think I, I just think if you love what you do, then you want to do it as much as possible. So that's kind of the common bond there. When did you guys all decide to actually make this an official thing, the Robin Zander Band? Uh, as I said, back in January of this year. So it's really only, you know, it's, it's only months old, the, this band. Um, and in fact, Rob and I, and I had talked about it um, well, over the years. I mean, we, we've, been, we've been friendly for years and years now, and... Um, uh, we, we've actually been talking about a, a musical outing for, for a long time. We originally focused, we're originally focusing on the, uh, the countryside material that he had from his country album. And we were going to try to figure out a way to, uh, to, to get that started, which we still intend to do. It's, it's kind of a fun thing, but the rock and roll thing, um, I think Robin just wanted to, to get out and, and, and play more. You know, the, the problem for a singer and for a drummer is you can't get that um, front-line, battle-ready uh, preparation any other way than being out there and doing it live. It's different for guitar players, bass players, keyboard players. Um, you know, they can go home, turn up an amp, or turn down an amp and, and, uh, and work their fingers out. Mm -hmm. For drummers and singers... Our thing is primarily uh, some sort of calisthenics. Robin's with his voice, mine with you know with my arm, with my limbs. And if you don't do it and you don't keep doing it, it's going to go away. So that's a right. big motivator. And it's it's definitely a much more visceral in the moment kind of a thing. Exactly. You guys do some great covers, some songs that Cheap Trick fans have always wanted to hear Robin sing, including some songs that don't often get played during the Cheap Trick set list, and uh, you mentioned Country Boulevard. Uh, are they ever going to release that album? Do you have any idea, or is anything you can speak on or make comments? Oh, I, I can't. I mean, we've certainly talked about it, and they're, you know, most of the time the things that get in the way of a release like that are political or business or whatever, and I know Robin still wants it to come out. Um, I know that he's... Uh, you know, doing his best to get that music out to his fans and whatever that takes, uh, you know, that's that's probably what's going to happen. So I, I do believe that album, it's a great album, and I really believe it will see the light of day. And um, we've often talked about uh, about touring that record under the Countryside Boulevard, you know, name rather than Robin Zander Band. Mm -hmm. So, uh, 
you know, it's it's nice to be in two bands with Robin Zander. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's strange because I don't live in Florida. You guys primarily gig in Florida, right? Uh, no, not primarily. It's just easier for us to gig in Florida because we're all here. But yeah, um, you know, for instance, <laughs> uh, we have a we have a Texas run that's coming up in. Uh, uh, that I re- we can't really announce until after June 22nd because um, Trick is playing there uh, in Houston area this weekend. So as of the 23rd, we can announce our, our Houston date and, and so on and so forth. And then we have uh, we, we have plays all over the place. Uh, you know, we were, we were offered a good run in, in California. And I, I think it's – I think the, the thing with the band is well, it's easy for us to play in Florida. Um and and most of us are from here. Our tour manager is from here. Our bass player, myself, Robin, are from here. And my guitar player, or our guitar player, Mark Hitt, who lives in New York, has a room in my house, so he might as well live here, too. It's just a JetBlue f- flight from New York, and he's here. So very easy for us to play in Florida. Um, so it was easy for us to kind of get the band rolling in Florida. But we did a New York, New Jersey run, and uh, now we're planning on, on really spreading out and trying to hit all different areas. Well, I hope to see you guys live, but the thing I was actually kind of getting to is you guys are burning it up on YouTube. A, lo- a lot of people are taking <laughs> um, your clips. Okay. Yeah, well, that's, hey, listen, that's, that's loyal fans. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly the media age, which is so very cool and and to have fans embracing uh the music that we're playing and certainly you know showing their their continued uh loyalty to robin is great when they, you know they put up the videos you know we're we're not um we're just out there having fun doing music that we like to do i was you know robin um wanted to play different songs he didn't want you know a lot of times when you go out with your own solo project everybody thinks it's going to be your version of the band that you came from uh like when clapton left cream or jack bruce left cream and and it's really not it's it's more your identity um fleshed out as an individual john entwistle's band sounded like john entwistle it didn't sound you know we were not trying to be the little who Right. And the Robin Zander band does not sound like Cheap Trick. We may visit that material, mm-hmm. but it's very much its own thing. I mean, you can't you can't infringe on something as as uh, legendary and iconic as as Cheap Trick. So we try to pay homage to it and uh, try to give the fans maybe, like you said, some some things that Trick either doesn't do anymore or hasn't done, or you know, because there's a I mean, their catalog is big. Yeah. So there's a lot of fun stuff to be played. Well, I'm telling you, I have been turned on to the band through YouTube in a lot of ways. That's amazing. And, and I, I sit there and I listen to you guys do some amazing covers. And I'm going to tell you, one of the, my, probably my favorite song you guys do is Badge. Oh, okay, yeah. Badge. You guys kill on that. Great song. And, you know, the the... I'll tell you the interesting thing about the covers that we pick, and I don't know that anybody necessarily knows that, but when we pick covers, we try to do it, um, obviously things that we enjoy playing, but things that we have a, that, that play into our history. Like Mark and I both played with Jack Bruce, um, and we did Badge, and we did uh, Sunshine of Your Love, and we did all the, the classic stuff. And then when Robin... Uh, 
you know, we were, we were talking about all the bands that, that we played with, the guys from ACDC and, and certainly the guys from The Who, and Robin said, well, we should pick songs from there. And when he picked Badge, Mark and I were thrilled because uh, we love that song, and he just, he just sings, you know, sings the hell out of it. I actually get chills when I listen to it. Actually, do you, do you mind if we play that right now? No, not at all. Please, go ahead. It will not the times you call in my Tell us about that. Like, is is it is it fun to play that song live? No, I forgot how I forgot how well we played that song. Um, Sounds great. <laughs> it's you know uh, that material is great, and it's 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 a lot of fun. There's a lot of dynamics in that. It requires some real musicianship, and it certainly uh, is is a is a great song for vocals. So we all get to have a bit of fun in there, and and it's you know it's a, it's a great song. What can I say? You know, it's, well, why don't you introduce the band? They're not here, but you know, there's that point in the show where everybody introduces everybody on stage. There's a lot of people that maybe are hearing about the Robin Zander band for the first time. Why don't you tell us about who's in the band and a little bit about everybody? Okay. Well, um, of course, it's Robin. Uh, you know, um, and and interestingly enough, Robin. Uh, we didn't just put together the Robin Zander band. Very much like John Entwistle, Robin wanted to put together a band of its own identity, and I sort of 
uh, we went back and forth to get him to call it the Robin Zander Band because it certainly puts an identity on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys that uh, it, it's it's really uh, three three guys from the same band, my solo band, me of course on drums and and uh, the second vocal, and then Mark Hit is our guitarist, and Mark has played with Robin almost as many times as I have in in some of these charity shows and different fundraisers. And Mark's history, Mark and I uh, came up uh, in the 70s in a band called Rat Race Choir, and uh, Mark did a short stint with uh, with Entwistle with me, and we he's the only outside writer that we ever used in the, in the John Entwistle band um, on any of our albums. And uh, I played with Leslie West Mountain for a while, and Mark did uh, some engagements there. He's recorded with John Bonham. He's recorded with the Tubes. He's, in my opinion, one of the best guitarists out there. Uh, the guy is absolutely a virtuoso. So um, it's nice that, that he's playing to a new audience of fans, a great player and very versatile player. And then our bass player uh, is Larry Hobbs. Now, now Larry Hobbs plays with a band down down here in Southwest Florida called The Juice. And Larry comes from a musical family. Um, and I actually met Larry through Cliff Williams, the bass player for ACDC. It's like a big melting pot here in Florida. And I yeah. did a we did we did a charity show with Cliff and Brian from ACDC, and then uh, Mark hit Cliff and Brian and I put a side project together um and and that's sort of how i met larry because larry is cliff's best friend also a bass player and uh when cliff went off to do the acdc tour in i think 08 um it seemed only logical to, to keep playing with larry and uh and he's a great bass player he fits with us uh very different than anybody you know different than cliff different than jack bruce certainly different than john Entwistle, but a very uh, conscientious musician. So that's what makes up the core band. And then from time to time, we will add, you know, Robin Taylor, which is Robin's son, Robin Taylor Xander. He'll play with us. He'll play some keyboards or some guitar. Um, anytime we're in a place where there's a friend in the audience that's a player, uh, they'll be invited up to play. So it's, it's the core band is Mark Hitt, Larry Hobbs, myself, and Robin. Uh, but it's it's not uh, you know it's not unlikely that you may see other members on the stage when we did the New York run. We used Jack Hotop, who played with Silver Convention, and he was in Rat Race Choir for a while. And uh, so it, it's kind of a revolving door of friends. Randy Jackson from Zebra um, has sat in with us, and I'm sure if you're looking at the YouTube stuff, you've seen the uh, Beatles medley that we did with Randy. So it's it's very much fun and uh and that's the band and and you never know who's going to turn up plus there's this guy named robin zander that pops up occasionally so. right 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 we uh well it was very funny we did um we did a show and 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 it, both of his children are named robin his his daughter is robin sailor and his son is robin taylor mm-hmm. and um i'm sure if you look oh, through the youtube stuff you'll see us doing love comes and both of them joined us on stage, uh, Robin Taylor and Robin Saylor, and, and I quipped to the audience, now you know why we call it the Robin Zander Band. <laughs> wow.
particular song that you love doing like like what is what is one that you look forward to um i really like miss tomorrow i love reactionary girl i love long way from you uh which i think it's funny because you know i before i got in this band with robin i was i was not a a, a trick aficionado you know i mean i certainly appreciated what they did and, and certainly knew the hits and some of the deeper cuts but um was never exposed to to some of the you know some of the deeper album cuts so playing them i mean reactionary girl is just it's an incredible song i love that song and miss tomorrow i they're just fun songs to play the chord changes are interesting they have dynamics it's fun and and you know but then again you go back to a song like the flame that song's not really anything challenging to play on drums but it's so much fun to sit back there and listen to robin sing that gorgeous vocal and that's yeah, it's you know there's not a lot of, that we play that i don't like i think that's the point of the band and you know it's it's probably great to see the crowd reaction from that as well it is i mean it it really is it's you know there there are all these message boards and there are are you know, very generous fans that write to uh, to the Facebook pages, and it's it's it it's great. I mean, it's you're playing rock and roll with friends. Uh, you know, it's it's it doesn't really get better than that. <laughs> well, we talked about Cheap Trick being Robin's day job. Is there anything you'd like to tell us about your day job? Well, my day job, interestingly enough, is. Um, I, I built. Uh, one, I moved down to to Florida just just over eight years ago, nine years ago, maybe I, I can't remember. Uh, from New York, and I have always in my homes had writing studios, mm-hmm. whether it be a tape recorder and some, you know, or wh- whatever it was back in the day, and then some digital audio stuff. But when I moved down here, I wanted to build a proper studio. Number one, because there aren't really any. Um, full functional commercial studios in this part of uh, in this part of Florida. There, there's um, one or two up by where Robin is. He's a couple of hours north, but there's nothing immediately accessible to me. So I built a, a commercial sounding recording studio, but it's a private space. And so I'm in there every day writing. Um, I produce young artists. I have two artists um, that I'm producing and writing with. Uh, that I'm extremely proud of. One is uh, actually a kid from Southwest Florida named Cody Vagel, and his last name is V as in Victor, A-G-L-E. And the other one um, is uh, a, an incredibly gifted artist named Anthony Parsons, and Anthony uh, hails from uh, the U.K. Uh, they're 
both, I guess, kind of pop singers, but they but they cross over, and it's a different kind of music for me. So my day job is just making music, uh, still, you know, making music, and and um, I love to do anything that has to do with music, whether it's writing it, recording it, uh, performing it, uh, tracking for somebody else, and uh, you know, luckily. My day job is no day job and never has been. <laughs> That's great. They say if you uh, enjoy your job, you're not working. So That's right. So I'm happy to report that I've never worked a day in my life. Now, you talked about doing some things as far as charity. Is there some sort of charities and causes that the band is into? Well, certainly um, there is the first T, which Robin supports. And um, that gives, you know, uh, young people, people an opportunity to learn a skill and and it's a it's a real good charitable program and i know robin's been involved with that for years and he endorses that and supports it all that he can and um i actually happen to be the executive director of the john entwistle foundation which when john passed you know john was my best friend in the world so much so that um the who invited me to read the eulogy at his memorial service which i did happily in london uh, happily, uh, uh, proudly, I should say, and and at that after that service, his mom and and my wife and I were talking about how we would you know she would like his name to carry on. She just didn't want him to fade away. And uh, at that conversation, we we talked about starting a, a foundation in his name. And it's a very small. You know, we're certainly not the Red Cross. We'll we'll put a music room um, in a children's hospital or in a, in a, in a cancer ward or a music therapy room or someplace, or we'll find an underprivileged town somewhere that could use some instruments in their public library. Um, it's very small, you know, like I said, it's a very kind of under the radar, uh, thing, but, uh, any chance we, we get to, uh, to get together and play some music for that cause is a good one. And Robin has certainly supported that with me, over the years as I have the first tea with him. So those are the two main charities. But the, the truth is we did a, uh, there's a, a, a singer from a band called Head East who, um, who became the singer for a band called Push, which is very prominent here uh, in, the, uh, in the southwest Florida area, and he was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. So we all went and did a fundraiser for him, you know, uh, if you're lucky enough to do what you love for a living, um, you kind of want to use that to help any way you can. It's a, it's really a blessing to to be able to play music every day. Uh, so if you can share that and do some good for somebody else, uh, I think the point is that you know um, we'll go wherever we can help. That's fantastic. That's that's so cool. Another personal favorite of mine that you guys do is Dancing Day, the uh, Zeppelin song. Oh yeah. Yeah, see, 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 see
about playing that song live? Well, when when Mark Hitt and I were kids, we 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 covered Led Zeppelin in our in our cover band and uh, you know, in in Rat Race Choir. It wasn't exclusively a cover band, but we did some covers, and and that was part of it. And Mark has just he's just got such a great uh, grasp on Page's style uh, that when Robin talked about doing that song, uh, we said, you know, we already knew it. And it's like so much fun to play it with a guy who can just rip it like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it, it's great. I mean, he does that with everything. You know, he's the man of a thousand voices, isn't he? So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah, so so playing the Led Zeppelin stuff, I mean, I, I, was, I always liked Led Zeppelin. I, you know, I thought that they were... Uh, in in some ways very minimalist, but just so intelligent and and the writing and uh, everything was it was just such a different sounding thing. So you know and 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 because John uh, John because Mark recorded with Bonham, there seemed to be some lineage there. I think we would have done it anyway because Robin likes singing it, and that's really what it's about. It's about going out and having fun. But that's a fun one to play. Well, for the Cheap Trick fans uh, that are listening, uh, could you tell us like maybe the top three? cover songs that Robin seems to like to do? Hmm. Um, well, I know, you know, he did, um, I believe it's You're My Girl with Five Horse Johnson, so we, 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 we really enjoy that. He likes there. Uh, he likes doing the, the Stones song, um, although I think we do the Rod, Rod Stewart version of it um, uh, all over now. Uh, I, I know uh, he, I know he likes Lennon. He, he just loves Lennon and the Beatles. So mind games whenever we have oh the right instrument. Let me tell you, man. You guys doing that? That is killer. I got to play that right now. Oh, well, by all means.
I hate to sound like a fanboy, but I am a huge Beatle fan. And when I heard you guys doing that, wow, it just blew my mind. Because when you think about that song, you think about the lush uh, instrumentation that's there and all the production that went into that. And you guys are able to pull that off on a nightclub stage. It just blows my mind. Well, you know, the, the thing about it is that, you know, we're not... <clears throat> I don't think we're ever trying to imitate uh, a song. I think we're trying to do our version right. of a song. Well. And, um, yeah, that's an incredible, I mean, that's a, that's just so, uh, so iconic that, that song when Robin wanted to do it, um, you know, we did it on stage in, uh, in New York, uh, and we had all the orchestration because we had the keyboard player there. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's a great song to play. He just loves that whole Lennon, you know, that, that, that Lennon vocal line. And he does it so well. So it's just so much, you know, fun to play because you get to kind of lose yourself in it instead of being caught up with, does this sound like the record? Or, you know, it just becomes your song and you're doing it your way. Steve, there's two things I want to put in your ear today. Okay. First one is you guys need to do an album called Under the Covers. <laughs> That's a good one. Here's the cover. You ready? Just to picture your guys' like socks and feet underneath a cover on a bed. There's the cover, and it'd just be funny. Robin Zander Band Under the Covers, and all it is is covers like Badge and Mind Games and Dancing Days. You guys would nail it. You'd kill it. It'd be awesome. Well, you know the the thing about doing something like that. And, and, you know, you, you asked me if we had any plans for projects for recording and so on and so forth. And I don't know if you're aware of the fact that um, the place that we're playing, I think it's on the 29th of this month, is called uh, The Hideaway. And it's in yeah. St. Petersburg. Basically what it is, it's, it's, a, it's a little restaurant, um, not the kind of place that you'd expect to even see live music on any level, much less... Uh, the Robin Zander Band or, or anything like that. But the beautiful thing about this place is a very intimate atmosphere. You get to uh, interface with the people, and it just happens to have a fully functional recording studio connected oh to God. it, so we get to record live. Well, do it, um, man. Do it. I'll, so, buy it. I'll buy it right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's in my studio. Um, okay. And we're, like I said, we're going to do it again. And, you know, we've talked many times about about how we might be able to uh, release material, uh, whether it was live material or going into the studio. You know, uh, this is the height of touring season, so Robin is out there, you know, slugging it out pretty good with Cheap Trick. But I think when things sort of slow down a little bit in the fall, um, we'll have a little bit more time to concentrate on. You know, Robin has sent me plenty of, of music that he's written great songs that I don't know if anybody's heard, and right. I spent a lot of time sending him uh, material that I either wrote with Entwistle or stuff that I wrote with Brian from ACDC and, you know, things that never saw the light of day to put our spin. So there's a, uh, there's a catalog there. We, we could do something. I would love to do the cover thing. I think it would be a lot of fun. Plus, I think, be, but would, I think that would be having all probably more like, of a live album than a studio album. Yeah. But yeah. you never know. Right, exactly. And I think it would be funny to have your friends trying to figure out whose socks and whose feet would be whose. Well, I think they if they know if they know Mark and they know Robin, I think they'd be able to figure it out. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. Now, now, the other thing is you said that when you play out live and you have 
uh, friends come up, I'm going to offer my services as a Davy Jones uh, tambourine player to the band. So Okay, well, do you come with your own tambourine, or do we need to get one for you? I- I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll borrow yours, or and if not, I can just use some spoons. Uh, but I'll do that swaying Davy Jones kind of thing. Remember that? Okay, well, spoons will put you in a different song than tambourine will, but we'll figure out a place for you. All right. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to give a shout out to the people on the Robin Zander Band Fan Forum. They kind of helped me out with uh, getting this interview and uh, making it possible. And I'm sure you've run into them and uh, know about them. And it's it's nice to have people take the time to, to do that. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I as well would like to give a shout out to the fans. Uh, you know, you hear... On all these award shows and everything that goes on, when, when everybody gets their thing, they thank the fans. Well, we would not have jobs. Uh, we would not ha- live the life that we live if it wasn't for the fans. So the fact that they still turn up and still show their support and, and are still so, uh, so, they're energizing, and it, makes, it energizes us. So uh, my shout-out to the fans, and I'm, I'm happy to meet every new one, and it, it's it's been great so far. All good, including Vicky B, and she knows who she is. So I'm just yes, Vicky. Well, Vicky, I've I've met more than once. Vicky is a she's a, a a good good friend of the band, and certainly a good friend of Trick, and a good friend of music in general. She's uh, absolutely. Uh, she's up there. She's up there with the best of them. So we're we're, we're grateful for Vicky. Fantastic. And then, of course, you have robinzanderband.com, which is another place you can go. And then you have your Facebook page. Could you tell us the Facebook page? Yeah, the Facebook page is um, Robin Zander Band. Um, believe it or not, it was tough to come up with that one. Yeah. And then I have um, my own, uh, you know, my own Steve Longo slash Robin Zander Band page, you know, that, that that's kind of from my fans from other projects whether it be from mountain or or ant whistle or whatever and you know the the regular website is where we certainly announce our schedule and i think there's you know there's a there's a, a store there for merchandise whatever merchandise we decide to add in that'll be the place where uh where records could be bought and i think there's t-shirts there now which is kind of cool and you know it, it's 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 a work in progress it's something that that i think we all want to continue uh, for a long time, and uh, and uh, and there you go. And those are some of the resources for for the music and the information. Well, thank you so much for being part of our show, Steve. And uh, we really appreciate it. And we we look forward to hearing whatever you guys come up with or seeing you live. And any chance we can promote you or promote anything that you're part of, such as charities or anything, just let us know. Well, I, I'll be happy to do that and, and do the same. When you, when you get a chance, shoot me a contact number. You can call this number anytime, and if I can ever be of service or if there's something that you need to know or uh, I can help you with, by all means, reach out. Steve, thank you for being on the show. God bless, and we'll see you on the road. Well, thank you very much, and I will see you out there, and God does bless every day, and uh, thank, you for, for, you know, thank you for getting the word out there to the fans. This is Steve Longo from the Robin Zander Band, and you're listening to Cheap Talk. Cheap Trick was a band that got together because we just liked the music. We were, we, we had that in common as, as musicians, and we didn't realize how long we'd be together. We thought maybe a year or two, you know, and we'll make a little money and then go home and whatever. I don't know, become brain surgeons. But, uh, but it just so happened that uh, a guy named Jack Douglas came to a bowling alley we happened to be playing at. Not bowling, but we were playing music. 
and uh, he liked the way we bowl, uh, played music. And, uh, and he made a few phone calls, and all of a sudden we had Columbia Records and Epic coming out to see us, and uh, we got signed eventually, and, uh, you know, everything started falling into place for us, and it was like, oh boy, happy days, here we go, you guys, you know, we're, getting, we're getting, actually going to make a record. And then uh, we played at Max's Kansas City, actually, before that even happened, before the record was even out. Uh, and Gene Simmons was there, and he came up to us, and he liked our band. In fact, he sat there and during our show and was throwing money on the stage, and Rick picked some up and acted like he ate it. And I think Gene really liked that, so he, he thought that was funny. Go talk! Go talk! Go talk! Hello, BJ here. Reluctant host of the Rock and or Roll podcast. You can find me at rockandorrollpodcast.blogspot.com. All the links are there for iTunes, the Facebook page, the emails there. So find me there at the blog. Today I'm going to talk about the roots of Cheap Trick, which really dates back to a band called the Grim Reapers. Now the Grim Reapers were sort of a Midwest supergroup. Members of previous bands, like Rick Nielsen was in a band called the Phaetons, and there was a band called the Bull Weevils that Tom Peterson was in. And also members of the Bull Weevils were Craig Myers on guitar and singer Joe Sunberg, who would wind up with Tom and Rick in the Grim Reapers. Grim Reapers also featured a drummer named Chip Greenman. And they hooked up with a local booking agent club owner named Ken Adamani. And they recorded, a, they recorded and self-released a single, which was a cover of Hound Dog, with an instrumental called Cruisin' for Burgers on the B-side. Both tracks were produced by Ken Adamani. December 10th, 1967, the Grim Reapers were scheduled to open for Otis Redding at a club in Madison, Wisconsin called The Factory, which was owned by Ken Adamani. That night, on the way to the show, on the way to Madison for the show, Otis Redding's private plane crashed into Lake Monona in Madison, and, he, and Otis Redding died. Uh, as Rick tells it, the Grim Reapers were at the club waiting to go on when they heard that Otis Redding was dead. The Grim Reapers were discovered by an Epic Records executive in 1968 when he saw them open for Terry Reed in a Chicago club. Now, Terry Reed, interesting story about him, you might know. He's the original singer that Jimmy Page approached uh, to join his post-Yardbirds band. So, you know, prevailing wisdom says that Terry Reed turned down a spot in Led Zeppelin, but that's not really a fair way to look at it because at the time... The band that Jimmy Page was asking Terry Reed to join, he was calling the New Yardbirds, and it was just, you know, a post-Yardbirds project. And Terry Reed also already had a solo record deal, and if you think about it, why would he have joined the New Yardbirds? So the Epic Records executive saw the Grim Reapers open for Terry Reed in 1968. Later, the next year, 1969, Terry Reed's second self-titled album comes out, and it features a song called Speak Now or Forever Hold Your Peace. Yeah. 
So Epic Records signs the Grim Reapers in 1968 with one stipulation that they changed their name, which is why they became Fuse. And Epic reissued that Hound Dog single. And then on January 26, 1969, Epic Records released the self-titled Fuse record. So Fuse was made up of Rick Nielsen, Tom Peterson, drummer Chip Greenman, guitarist Craig Myers, and singer Joe Sundberg. And interestingly, Craig Myers was the lead guitarist in Fuse. Rick Nielsen played rhythm guitar, and he also played organ and mellotron on the record. So there are eight songs on the Fuse record. Rick Nielsen wrote three of them by himself. He co-wrote two of them with singer Joe Sundberg, and then Joe Sundberg and Craig Myers wrote the other three. Now, honestly, I'm not a very big fan of the Fuse record. Uh, it's not really my cup of tea. And similar, in a similar story to uh, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons' experience with Wicked Lester, Rick and Tom were pretty disappointed with the whole experience as well, I think, and not proud of the record. And by 1970, the band were dropped and had broken up. You know, who knows what order that all happened in there, if it was all just a mutual decision. But Fuse fizzled out pretty quickly after the record came out. Um, probably the best song on the record is a, is a, probably the very last song on the record, which was written by Rick Nielsen. It's called Sad Day. So after Fuse, Rick Nielsen and Tom Peterson end up hooking up with Stuky, the former singer from the Naz, and they're playing in a version of the Naz for a while, which morphs into a band that they call Sick Man of Europe. And at this point, Brad Carlson, future Bunny Carlos, joins on drums. And then this band, Sick Man of Europe, is the band that eventually becomes Cheap Trick, which we will talk about in our next installment. Until then. You talk too much. 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 We would like to welcome Angela Mapes, another Cheap Trick fan, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her Cheap Trick story. Hi, welcome to the show. 
Hi, Ken. Glad to have you here. So how did you get into Cheap Trick? How long ago was it? And uh, what was your first album? Stuff like that. Okay, well, um, I actually am a very recent Cheap Trick fan, but I have become totally enamored with them. I've only been a Cheap Trick fan for about three months. And in that time, (laughs) I've already met Rick Nielsen a few times, and I've traveled, you know, to New York City a few times, and to Rockford, Illinois, so I I got pretty deep into it pretty fast. Um, I started becoming a Cheap Trick fan, actually, because I'm a huge Foo Fighters fan, uh-huh. and um, Dave Grohl had Rick Nielsen play on the Sound City Players mm-hmm. album, and so I had been following that movie um, the whole time they were making it. I really loved Rick's track um, from Can to Can't, which is um, Corey Taylor from Slipknot and Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, Scott Reeder from uh, Caius, and Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. Um, So because of that, I went to go see the Sound City Players in New York City at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Leading up to that, I was listening to Cheap Trick constantly. I could not turn it off. Because of that show, I, it just sent me further into, you know, researching all about Cheap Trick, listening to every single album I could get my hands on. I probably spent, like, hundreds of dollars in the first month just, like, getting into them. And then I ended up finding out about the Rick's Picks exhibit and flying to it, making sure that I got there before it closed. I was there on what should have been the last day of the exhibit, but they extended it through the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met Rick twice, and... I've been stuck on Cheap Trick every day since I found out (laughs) how great they are. What was the first album you bought? Dream Police. What's the one album you can't find, or have you found everything? Um, I think I've pretty much found everything. I have everything on cassette tape. I have most of their albums. Uh, I don't think there's anything that I don't have that I'm really looking for. I'm sure I'm not aware of everything that they've ever released, but I... For the most part, I think I have pretty much a comprehensive, and then I've probably watched hundreds of videos and Excellent. just about everything I can get my hands on. Now, what did you think about Rick's picks? What What was your overall general impression? I mean, other than meeting Rick himself, I mean, come on. Oh, everything was better than I expected, and I had pretty high expectations. Um, and I had, like, looked online at the Cheap Trick board. Mm-hmm. Some people had already gone and posted photos or stories, and I... Um, Our good friend B.J. Cramp, as a matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, so I had looked, but I didn't look too hard because I didn't want to spoil any of the surprises. I knew they had drawers open, you know, where you could look at all kinds of stuff. Um, but I, So I didn't want to see everything before I got there, which I'm glad that I didn't look too much into it because everything was a surprise. I was totally shocked. I got to Rockford, and it's kind of a sleepy town, in my opinion. I, I don't know if it was, you know, just the week that I was there. But I got to the Burpee Museum and was greeted by some very friendly staff and went through to the exhibit, and there weren't a lot of people there, but uh, there were a few people um, checking everything out. And Rick showed up about, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes after I got there, and I I guess he had been showing up quite a bit that week, Mm -hmm. probably because it was the last week of the exhibit. So as soon as he got there, he signed autographs and talked to people, and, um, you know, he also had Mike Graham with him, who is his longtime photographer I'm sure you know mm-hmm. um, so he was there and he took a picture of uh, myself with Rick and it wasn't until I actually went back a second day and that's when I had Rick sign 
some autographs for me, but Rick was really nice. He came up to me and chatted with me, and it was really cool. That is awesome. Now, something really cool happened to you. You checked the Cheap Trick message boards, and uh, you found about a certain show in New York. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, first they had that contest on Cheap Trick Day, um, and I attempted to answer all of the questions, and I'm probably, I'm sure there's so many more people that know more about Cheap Trick, so I didn't win that. Um, And I was all bummed out because I had just spent a bunch of money, you know, going to Rockford, which I thought was totally worth it and didn't want to miss that just to go to the Budokan show but so um, basically you were broke yeah i was broke broke, <laughs> and broke it was Budokan. you know as you know it was it was five hundred dollars a ticket to mm-hmm. go to the john Vervitos uh gallery show so right. i thought it was totally out of the question i wasn't going to get to go then they announced that they would be giving away a couple passes to the show in new york and the show in l.a so I emailed and waited. I, I waited about four days because that's how long the contest was. And the night that they announced the winners, it was about 10 o'clock at night. And I thought for sure that I was just out and I didn't win it. <laughs> and I got the email. And I think as far as I'm aware from reading the message board and, and online comments and stuff, I think only a couple people got picked for the New York show and I was one of them. So I couldn't believe it you listened to the podcast our last episode and we talked about them being in 16 magazine and uh (laughs) there's a little story that kind of goes along with that tell us what did you have rick sign so i had a page from a 16 magazine back in 1981 (laughs) and it's um rick's fabulous face and it's just a really silly article of him you know, hamming for the camera, like pretty all much of every article in Sixteen Magazine was silly. You know, there weren't yes. any, you know, groundbreaking things about like curing cancer or anything. It was no, it it talks about him liking White Castle burgers mm-hmm. and you know making silly faces for the cameras, and it's it's pretty like light. And um, I thought it was really interesting and funny, That's and to think of uh, Rick Nielsen as like. Um, the kind of guy that 16-year-old girls might put up on their wall. I thought that was interesting, so I had him sign that. That's very cool. Well, at the time, they were also pushing the village people on 16-year-old girls, which was kind <laughs> yeah. of a whole different thing anyway. But, uh, yeah, 16 Magazine's a trip. Well, that's really cool. We'd like you to scan a really good copy of that, and we'll put it up on our Facebook page. Sure. And Definitely. Is, is there anything you'd like to say in closing? I guess just that, you know, the show is absolutely amazing, and if you watched the live stream, mm-hmm. they had it up for, like, another day or two afterwards, yeah. after the show, and um, if you watched the live stream, it is awesome, but it really didn't do the show any justice, because the crowd was so loud, and, and really just, you know, singing along to everything, and there there was an absolutely great energy there, and I, I don't think that that was totally captured probably because, you know, the crowd's not mic'd or whatever, but um, I feel bad for anyone that wasn't there, but um, it was really cool of them to put it up online. Well, we were all so there that everybody in spirit, could so, share. you know, we, we, we were all there in spirit, so. Yes. All right, well, hopefully you'll like our second episode, and uh, we're putting that together uh, probably this weekend, so 
Hopefully oh, great. Can't wait. Okay, cool. Well, you keep listening, and uh, anybody that knows Cheap Trick, let send them, send them our way. And uh, this is going to be part of episode two. Oh, will do. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you, and God bless. You nice, too. Nice talking Bye. to you. Bye. This is Angela Mates. Keep cheap tricking. Does that work for you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks for listening to Cheap Talk, episode number three. Please see us on our Facebook page. Find us. Let us know what you think of the show. The address is www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cheap talk if you do a search for cheap talk it'll pop up i'm sure so and uh, if you can give us a rating on itunes and let us know what you think we hope to hear from you and hope to see you very soon until next time and that's our show trick chat is an online non-profit audio fancy made by fans for fans any samples of music or interviews heard will be property of their owners we are not related to cheap trick or any of their members past or present If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes to buy it. If you enjoyed this show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying keep cheap trickin'.